Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hi, this is Cynthia Lockery, and welcome to Canada's podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs who are making it happen right here in BC. Today, I'm joined by Carrie Isham. Carrie is a knowledgeable, experienced, and passionate educator, coach, and facilitator dedicated to excellence and committed to the empowerment of people of all ages. Her primary goal is to make exploring sexual health fun and meaningful and alleviate the shame and embarrassment sometimes associated with this topic. So welcome, Carrie. Why don't we jump in by you telling us a bit about yourself and the work you do? Great. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Well, I've been an educator for 28 years, the first 13 in the public school in District 69, Parksville, Qualicum. And I decided in 2009 to leave my full-time continuing position with 100 sick days and a pension to venture out on my own. And I specialize in sexual abuse prevention, supporting children, youth, and adults with support needs, uh, usually FASD and on the spectrum, and then also specializing in the impact of pornography viewing on children and youth. So for those who don't know, FASD stands for? Fetal alcohol syndrome. Thank you. And we know autism spectrum. So you had a great job, you had a pension, you had all the things that our parents told us that we needed to have. What made you say, you know what, I'm going to go my way and do this journey? Well, um, as a PE teacher, I also taught sexual health. And in my last year of teaching, I had grade eight class that I had for a course called career and personal planning. And I had them for an entire semester of sexual health, meaning I saw them for 12 one-hour sessions. And what I noticed in the students was no one was ever late. I also noticed that people were never away. And I really felt that those young people were in grade eight, were ready to transfer into high school with a lot of information. And so I thought to myself, hmm, I love my job. I left at the height of my job. I was doing an at-risk girls group on Friday after school, running intramurals, running the PE department. And I really left on a high feeling that I had done a really great job. But I felt this pull and this calling and yearning to be doing the sexual health full time. And so sexual health is an area where we don't always want to talk about. Um, you know, some of us grew up in those homes, we don't talk about it. And kids can be we think kids can be awkward about it. So so what was it about sexual health that you thought this is an area that needs a bit more attention? Well, I come from the stance that learning about our bodies is our birthright. And it's a human right to be able to have information to make informed decisions. And so before people are deciding to share their body or if they decide to share their body, I want them to have all of the information that they need to make the healthiest choice for themselves. In the absence of sexual health education, we get sexual exploitation, we get rampant sexual abuse, we get people that are not able to enjoy their own bodies with themselves or with a partner. 
And being um, a consultant, somebody from the outside, do you find it's easier when you go speak to kids than it would be if it's their classroom teacher they're with every day? Well, what the kids tell me is there are lots of teachers that feel really comfortable. Um, I've done a lot of teacher training, people that feel confident covering the material, but there's also lots of people that don't. And it's not optional curriculum. It's mandated in the physical and health education curriculum from K to 10. That's probably been one of my biggest barriers is to get that information out to parents because you cannot advocate for something that you don't even know exists. Mm-hmm. And so another piece that you do is is coming in. So you do the classroom teaching, but you also come in and and help with individuals who might be uh, with disabilities or at risk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I do private clients in my home, sometimes on Zoom, sometimes I go to schools. It really just depends. It's ideal for families sometimes for me to go during school time because then after school doesn't have to be about, you know, the learning. It can be about playing and and doing kid things. But people can access me in a variety of ways through autism funding, Ministry of Child and Family Development, Kwamit Lalem, sort of I now have clients all over Canada um, after COVID. Yeah, COVID really has opened up the, um, you just don't need to be face to face anymore. So that's, so COVID has, would you say I've been a, a positive for the work you do? Or how has it changed the work you do? Well, it was pretty shocking. Because <laughs> I hadn't really done Zoom before. But it has now allowed me to access an international audience. And so when I, I always get a kick out of finding out where people are registering from, um, and, you know, it, it allows people to have access in smaller communities, um, people that wouldn't necessarily ever be able to take classes with me in person. So it, it's really beneficial for me and the clients, but I still really do prefer in person if I can. Yeah, there's just something about that. Is there um, a, one piece of knowledge or information about the work that you do that you think would be of interest to our listeners today? Well, I think sexual health education is for everybody, right? I the the information I share is sort of from grade or age two and up, and I always hear the parents when we're doing puberty classes. They're always saying, "Oh, I wish I had this when I was younger," or when I do the period talk workshop. You know, when I got my period for the first time, I felt so much shame and embarrassment because nobody told me about it. I've done workshops for seniors. I've done workshops for prostate survivors. I've done workshops for like just about any age level. And I can pretty much cater any type of workshop, you know, with, with some lead time to do the research. So, and so what are you most proud of in terms of the work that you do? I think my perseverance. I mean, I always joke around. I've written three books by myself and then co-authored a fourth book. And I really could write sort of a memoir of all of the challenges that I've had to get this information out. One would think that everybody would want kids to be educated and everybody would see this information as important, but I'm I'm proud that I'm still doing this work after, you know, 28 years of teaching because I taught this my first year of teaching when nobody else was teaching it because it was part of the curriculum and I'm a checklist type person and it told me I had to do the reproductive system and I did it on a 
Um, what were those overhead projector? Yeah. So yeah, I'm just, I'm proud of my perseverance and that despite the number of challenges that I've had, I keep reminding myself to pull up my big girl panties and move on because I have a mission here. So how do you deal with those challenges that you get? Um, you know, I talk to other entrepreneurs and I say fear and doubt, but yours isn't really your fear and doubt. You're pretty confident. So how do you deal with those challenges that come at you? Well, I think knowing myself and knowing that, like, I am a child safety champion. When you know your calling and why you were placed on the earth, it sounds kind of silly, but I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. And so when people say to me, well, what would you do if you weren't doing this? And I, I really can't imagine that because anything where I can feel connected to people, where I can advocate for marginalized populations, anywhere that I can share my passions, I want to be there. So, you know, I know who I am. I know that I don't have to, you know, take people's critiques of me personally or seriously because what people think of me is none of my business. And turning, I'm 52 now, and turning 50, this is my de best decade so far around self-esteem and body image and knowing my worth. And it just, it feels really great. Yeah, that is such a milestone birthday that we both reached that really is that turning point. So how? let's look at successes. Let's talk about success because you... You've had some successes. How do you celebrate success? How do you, you know, really embrace that? Well, I'm pretty public about my successes on uh, social media. You know, I've won a couple of awards. I won uh, an award with Options for Sexual Health in 2015 um, as Educator of the Year. I was nominated and won an award in Nanaimo um, for uh, the health and wellness category, which is a really big deal for a two-person business. It's just my, well, three now. I have another educator with me, but most of the work is done by my husband and I. He's my business manager. Um, I guess, I mean, in terms of successes, my success right now is really mo like monitored by how well I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. So my self-care and how I'm looking after myself really defines my success because this is a very challenging field. There's, you know, since COVID, there's, you know, quite a bit of disgruntled people, uh, people that would like to shut people like me down. Mm -hmm. And I like how you say the success is about how you feel, because I think some people um, younger in their journey, it's success is about how much is in the bank account. Whereas we get further along in our journey, we realize that's not the only measure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, don't get me wrong, need to make a living, but my personal happiness overrides the monetary gain. I need to be joyful, excited, passionate about what I'm doing, or I actually don't want to do it. That's just such great advice. Now, um, let's talk about advice that you'd give to entrepreneurs. Uh, first of all, if somebody was like, you know what, I'm thinking of being an entrepreneur, whatever it is, selling widgets or, or being a consultant, 
What advice would you give somebody who's just looking at making the leap that you made many years ago? Well, I think the first thing that I would recommend is reaching out to other people in the field. Um, I get requests probably once every two weeks from people that want to be a sexual health educator. They want to ask me questions and see what niches are available to them. I think also to understand that the first few years of business are all consuming because unless you are blessed with copious amounts of money, you do have to pay people to help you build a website and, you know, like there's so many moving parts and unless you can do all of that yourself, it can be quite expensive. Um, and I think the third advice, which I, I wish someone had told me is to maybe specialize a little bit more from the beginning. So if I wanted to be like really well known, say like nationally or internationally, I would have had to pick one area of passion, put all my time and energy into that because I took the other route. I did so many different things in response to the needs of the community. Um, you know, I did a lot of work around gender and sexual orientation and transitioning children and youth, you know, when they were uh, transgender um, and then stopped doing that when somebody else came forward with that passion. And now we have Trans Care BC. So specializing in multiple fields means that you have to keep up in multiple fields with evidence-based research and meeting with people and attending conferences. And at, as my, you know, entering my 53rd year soon, um, it's really, it's really too much for me now. So I've had to really look at what am I offering? What am I most passionate about? Where are people kind of going to, to have access to me and like really narrowing it back? And that feels really good too, because I don't have the time, energy, resources to keep up with every single topic under the sun. Sexual health is a very broad field. I think that's great advice because it really is, we have to be on top of our game. And when your game's very wide, that's, that's a lot to keep on top of. And, you know, you want to bring the best to the table. So if you were to have, a, you're based um, in Nanaimo, so a medium-sized medium size city, what advice would you give to somebody who's, who's looking to create connections in, in the community, wherever their community is in BC, um, especially in a post-COVID world? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that I did, because I was a teacher prior to doing uh, my own business, sexual health consulting, I just wrote down every single person that I knew that I thought might be interested in having a conversation with me about what I did. So I talked with principals and counselors. I had coffee and lunches with people so much in the first couple of years, because in this business, people really have to trust you that you're going to deliver accurate, up-to-date content. Um, and, you know, they really do like people to avoid the controversial topics, even though I still do them and will always do the controversial topics because that's, that's, that's where the learning and that's where the growing is for people. Yeah, I guess I, I think that's... That's great <laughs> advice. So let's talk about being based in BC. So what are some of the benefits of of running your business out of BC? 
Well, I've done a lot of outside workshops. So that's that's one thing. Uh, I sometimes do workshops in people's backyards. I did a workshop one time in Ladysmith on a trampoline with a bunch of kids where there were sheep roaming around. That, that was probably one of my highlights. Uh, and the kids had their snacks and we just talked about it. Um, I feel like BC is very progressive. You know, we already have a sexual health curriculum here. We're not fighting to, you know, to have one and it is upheld and respected. And so for me, being in British Columbia allows me the freedom to be, you know, a support person for teachers because I do believe in the curriculum that we have and support it. I think, you know, people are, they're struggling with life balance and work balance and family balance. So, you know, reaching families in BC is, is always interesting. Like, how do I get the word out about what I'm doing? What's the best platform? How to get people, you know, interested in being on my mail out list? Like when people kind of don't want what they might consider junk mail. Like, so, I mean, it's just a beautiful place to live. And for me, for my, for my personal well-being, I can have a one or two clients in the morning, and then in the afternoon, I'm on my paddleboard at one of our many lakes. And I mean, between my paddleboard and my e-bike, those are definitely two things that have kept me really grounded in a pretty tumultuous time. Like it's this last year, two years, three years, I don't know, I lost count. It's been pretty challenging for entrepreneurs. Absolutely. And what are some of the challenges of being located in BC? Because you don't just service clients in BC, you service mm-hmm. clients from outside the province. Well, I think, I mean, I guess my focus was to be the most well-known sexual health educator on Vancouver Island. That was my first goal. And I think people know what I'm offering. I think a challenge living in a small town is saturation, right? I've I've been in many of the elementary schools for many years. I haven't been in the schools um, for several years now, but I think maybe people think, well, my child already had Carriashim, so she doesn't need more, you know, my son or daughter doesn't really need more sexual health. But people need to understand that just like math is grade one, you know, to 12 or kindergarten to grade 12, sexual health education scaffolds and builds on itself. So I guess I would want people to understand that you know, supporting people like me is really important because if you don't and there are not people that come into the field, then our kids may be less likely to have this information. That's an excellent point. Um, so where do you see your business in five years now that we've kind of come out of this this hump and things are changing? Yeah, I mean, I guess... Well, I'm doing a dream job in August, so I'll tell you about that. So I'm doing a full day training at a place called Providence Farm, training all of the educators, or sorry, all of the staff there about how to support their clients with healthy relationships, with public displays of affection, why it's important for them to have sexual health education. And for me, I want to be doing more of that. I want to be doing more trainings. I want to travel doing my trainings. I'm going to Haida Gwaii at the end of October, which I'm super excited about. I'm going to Whistler to do a conference. And so people are starting to know about me. 
Um, We're reaching out to try to get into different conferences and stuff like that. But I think my main goal is how can I reach the most people with the time that I have left doing this job? Because I'm not sure I don't have a retirement date yet. Um, I have no idea what that looks like, but I'm starting to contemplate the idea of like, what would that look like? And am I going to have a successor? Am I going to, is my business just going to fall off the planet? Like how, how do I keep this information coming for families? I think that's great. Um, and is there anything that keeps you up at night with any trends that we're seeing? Or as an entrepreneur? Um, I guess two things. One, I always worry about getting the word out. I've got incredible offerings from now until June. We've planned everything. And then I just rely on people to check my website, to be on my mail out list. Um, so that 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 does keep me awake some nights because, of course, that's how I make my living. Um, the main thing, the bane of my existence is the easy access to pornography for children. Wow. Every, every single client that I have who's acted out sexually, who's done something to break the law, it all goes back to pornography. It contributes to child on child sexual harm in families, which is the most common form of sexual harm, but the most underreported and un- not talked about. And so that I wonder daily, night and day, are young people raised in a pornography-saturated culture going to be able to engage in healthy relationships? Mm -hmm. So that plagues me a lot. Well, let's end on something positive. So how you, do you have some how do you keep that 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 work life balance? You know, you've talked about your paddle boarding, which you know we are blessed that we live in a beautiful place that you can paddle aboard most months of the year. Um, what else do you do to kind of keep that keep yourself on track? Well, I have a really good medical support team. I have a physiotherapist I saw yesterday. I see a chiropractor once a month. I had a counseling session yesterday just to keep on top of things. One thing that I would highly recommend that I was only willing to do this coming September is I'm slotting in my time and what's important to me before work time. So Monday nights, I'm doing yoga. Thursday nights, I'm doing ecstatic dance. And then I booked in three morning walking partners. My husband is one of them so that we can stay connected, and then two of my girlfriends. And so the work revolves around those activities, and that time is not negotiable. And I've heard that from a few entrepreneurs on the show, that it was a realization that came later, did not come early, um, that to be top of the game, they have to have that space. So for anybody who's listening, who's not doing it, don't wait till you're in a point where you don't have a choice. Yeah. So is there any advice or a book you read or something that you've watched that's really stuck with you that you want to that's helped you as an entrepreneur that you want to share with our listeners? Mm, I really, uh, well, one thing that's been really helpful to me is I'm part of the Sex Education Alliance. It's called C, 
It's an international group for sexual health educators. And it's really helped me in times of struggle to come together with people who have the same life mission, who really understand the trials and tribulations of being an entrepreneur. That's been really helpful. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Louise Hay stuff right now. Actually, I just finished reading uh, one of her books about, you know, healing your healing your life, right? And so that's been really effective for me. I don't get a lot of time to read like for pleasure uh, because I'm reading just right behind me. I have an entire table of studies that I have sorted into categories because I really need to get caught up in this. So I think fi just finding a podcast that you like, I like the six minute sex ed podcast. Like I like, uh, what is that one? Oh, I think it's called embarrassed to ask. Wow. So there's a few podcast that I listen to and, you know, usually sexual health related. Um, I think, you know, just going to professional development is really helpful for me. I just signed up for an Indigenous uh, learning opportunity called Four Seasons. So I'm really excited about that and how how that information will help me deliver the education that I share because I do quite a bit of work in Indigenous communities. So I, I love the lifelong learning. I definitely am into that. And yeah, nothing really specific other than those things. Well, and lifelong learning so key to keep you on top of your game, but also to get those connections with others so that you have a build a community. Absolutely. So it's been so great talking to you and learning about what you do. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? I guess if I could make a request, I would, if you have children or grandchildren, please advocate for sexual health education in the school system. If, if the teachers aren't doing it in your school, please look out for opportunities for learning um, on Zoom or in your community because, you know, it's really hard to have a balanced life if you don't have the physical, emotional, spiritual, sexual, you know, balance in there. And for most people, being sexually active is a key important role in their mental health and well-being. So it's something that, you know, families need to talk about it. And you, if you find it difficult, then there's lots of great books. I have books on my website under my free resources, recommended readings for the little people, for middle school age and teenagers, you know, just get out there, learn with your child, learn for yourself, because this is something that really is important. It's important for us to look after our sexual well-being. Well, this is great. And it's a, it's an important conversation to have. And I love that your entrepreneurial journey has taken you on this to help others. So thank you. Thanks so much, Cynthia.